Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported. That means we truly depend on you in order to bring this resource to you. If you don't already support us financially, you could do so. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. You'll see our three friendly yellow buttons there. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. Click on one of them and fill that out. If you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Wednesday, January 8th, twenty. We're going to be continuing our postmortem of uh, the Todd Bentley fiasco today. A little bit of a note: the podcast information that you're going to be listening to not available on YouTube. This is a podcast-only episode. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseboro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. This is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down. Stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Sadly, there is no shortage of crazy things being said out there. We take the time to open up God's Word to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine that is put forward for consumption by the average evangelical Far, far, I mean really far from biblical, far from at all like sound doctrine or anything that we should be believing, and there's a whole lot of deception going on out there. And a lot of this has to do with the fact that Christians believe that they can discern the truth with their feelings, with their experiences, rather than conforming and norming their their experiences and their feelings to the objective written Word of God. They instead conform and norm Christian doctrine to their feelings. Nothing more than feelings. I think you get the idea. And, and so what we're going to do today, uh, and this is going to seem like a, a, a you know kind of a weird way of approaching this. Uh, uh, yes, in fact, not that long ago, just like hours ago, Patricia King did a live stream with Stephen Powell. Stephen Powell was the fellow who back in August brought the allegations, the latest allegations of regarding Todd Bentley out into the public. And he went this route due to the fact that, you know, that everything else was cut off for him is for lack of a better way of putting it there. You know, the, the leaders who should have been leading here, who should have been holding 
uh, Todd Bentley accountable weren't doing so. And so he, he had to kind of, you know, move in a way that, well, uh, let's just say probably wasn't the best route to go, but probably the only route available to him. And, and so as a result of that, you know, he's the guy, you know, who was kind of at the center ground zero of all of this. And earlier today, uh, Patricia King and Stephen Powell did a live stream and as I watched the live stream, I got to admit, as I was listening to it, I it, it, not so much the details that they were bringing forward about Todd Bentley. Were, that's not the stuff that's, that kind of stuck in my mind. But the religion that these two adhere to makes no sense. No sense whatsoever. They... Uh, they are literally like boats that are being driven that w- without a rudder. They, you know, they are being driven by winds going this way and that way. And, and so, what I thought we would do today is uh, w- we will go ahead and do the, our last post mortem by walking through a portion of this conversation with Patricia King and Stephen Powell, which again, uh, you know, w- was on Patricia King's channel live stream earlier today. And just consider what it is that they are saying uh, about the religion that they follow and how they determine what truth is or isn't. And note that the Bible is not in the lead here. It's it's their experiences, and their experiences almost sound like they torment them, for lack of a better way of putting it. So with all of that being said, let's uh, dive into the program proper. Since this is a uh, Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update, l- let's use our uh, standard music for that, and we'll get into uh, the program. Here we go. Oh, Hallelujah. Robert Tilton and Hubaba Kanda. Okay, we're heading over to Patricia King's channel. This was uh, from the live stream earlier today. Uh, the name of the uh, the live stream was Hope and Solution, and it's a conversation with Patricia King and Stephen Powell. Uh, we'll interject along the way, and then we're going to note then that the complete subjectivity and experience-based religion that is the charismatic movement in the NAR played a vital role in making Todd Bentley um, possible is the best way I could put it. So uh, let's let Patricia King introduce us to the conversation that she's going to be having here with Stephen Powell regarding Todd Bentley. We'll comment along the way. Here we go. 
Well, good morning and welcome to the live stream. We are excited about shifts that are taking place in the spirit, even as. It's, it didn't take long, did it? Uh, so we're, we're excited about shifts in the spirit. What is that? are sitting here as you are wherever you are there are shifts taking place in the spirit globally whole lot of shifting going on it sounds kind of shifty to me but you know well again i don't i do not recognize this religion i do not recognize it this is not anything biblical this is a religion that has built itself up using Christian terminology, hijacking biblical passages out of context, and none of this makes even a lick of biblical sense. Today, it's a very um, important day. Uh, many of you know and maybe have watched um, that the President of the United States uh, just gave a update on what's happening in the uh, Iran-Iraq situation. And um, I just uh, contacted a friend of ours in in um, uh, D.C. and asked how it went because I wasn't able to watch the whole thing. And he said, all is well, no lives lost. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is so powerful. And just for the moment that I did get a chance to uh, listen to just a couple minutes, I heard the president say that actually breaking, officially breaking strong alliances or breaking alliances with um, nations that are not walking uprightly. And I think that that's a prophetic picture is that God is saying. Okay, so the news today coming out of Iran now somehow is getting rolled up into some prophetic picture about how things are shifting in the spirit. Again, I do not recognize this religion. I don't know what this religion is. It, in fact, my question is, what are the rules regarding this religion? <laughs> how does one determine what is truth in this religion? It, 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 in fact, it seems very arbitrary, capricious. In fact, it creates anxiety within me because I, I can't figure out how, how does one operate sanely in this religion to us break break alliances with any thought patterns with any um, emotions with anything that is contrary to his word are you breaking alliances with thought patterns how does one go about breaking an alliance with a bad thought pattern and and his will um, because we are going to be protected in that when you walk according to the word of God, when you walk according to his ways, there will be safety. It's when you come away from that. It's when you violate the word that things, um, things start going downhill. Uh, righteousness exalts a nation, but, um, you know, sin, sin will destroy. And it's the same with lives. You know, righteousness exalts a life, but sin destroys. It destroys individuals and it can destroy the body. And this morning, just as we were, Praying to come in, uh, Robert Hodgkin um, had uh, read a scripture that is out of the uh, uh, Living Translation. and Of course, a paraphrase. Ezekiel 22 and verse 30, and it says, I looked for someone to rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. And I <laughs> that was so powerful. Powerfully ripped out of context. A again, we're, we're just taking a look. At, at the religion that is the charismatic and NAR movement. And so a, a Bible verse out of context now 
somehow has prophetic significance regarding what Patricia King says is a prophetic spiritual shifting that is taking place, news coming out of Iran, uh, you know, a, a speech by the president, all are get rolled into the significance of this important prophetic shifting moment. And I'm sitting here going, who let these people out of the loony bin? Because all of this stuff is that crazy to me. I don't recognize this religion, nor do I recognize what I'm hearing as lucid, sane communication. We continue. I look for someone to rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. And I just want to say this morning that as the church goes, so goes the nation. And so if there's corruption in the church, there will be corruption in the nation. If the church is perverted, the nation will be perverted. I would kind of put it this way. If the church isn't doing its job, of making disciples, proclaiming repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name, then as Christianity dwindles as a percentage of the population, the more the more sin increases within a particular people group. And, and the reason is simple is because every one of us is born dead in trespasses and sins. So Patricia King, which I, I need to say this, she's complicit in bringing Todd Bentley on the scene. And this is a woman who thinks of herself as a prophetess, as a pastor. And she, uh, her, I mean, her entire life in ministry runs exactly contrary to Scripture. I would note Patricia King is somebody we have featured on Fighting for the Faith since we began in June of 2008. So... <laughs> I, I'm just going to point out, Patricia has been a n regular feature here. In fact, if you go to fightingforthefaith.com, go to the archives, and you know, and just in the search bar, type in Patricia King, you'll see segment after segment after segment where we have covered Patricia King. This woman is a false prophetess. She's a wolf. But again, listen to her religion, the way she explains it. That's why God's saying, I'm looking for someone someone to stand for righteousness, to, to build the land up, to rescue the land, to redeem the land. I am looking for someone to rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. And I believe um, prophetically, and I say this with tremendous prophetic confidence, that we have launched into, it's already broken open. I had a, a, an encounter yesterday where an app... <laughs> Yeah, having a hard time taking this woman seriously, but she takes herself very seriously. She really believes, you know, that, you know, how do I put it? She's she's smoking what she's rolling is the best way I can put it. Apostolic portal opened up. I can tell. What, what, what? An apostolic portal. Hang on. Got to back this up. Tremendous prophetic confidence that we have launched into. It's already broken open. I had a, a, an encounter yesterday where an apostolic portal opened up. I can tell what God is doing in this hour that we are in a an, an apostolic portal. What's that shift moving into reformation, moving into reformation, deformation. So that once 
things get into a place of exposure. It's like going to a doctor. If you were to go to a doctor and he diagnosed you with cancer, that's one thing. The cancer has been exposed, right? So you've got this exposed cancer, but you can't just leave it there because if you leave it in the body and you don't fix the body and you don't rebuild the immune system of the body, then the body is going to die. It has to be taken care of. Exposure is not enough. So you go to the doctor, he exposes the cancer, he removes the tumor, uh, you get all kinds of vitamins and all kinds of things that will build up your system again, and then you can go on and have a fruitful and abundant life. And that is what is happening. That's what happens with Reformation. In the first great awakening, we see that God used reformers in that to um, speak powerful words of truth and it actually put a foundation. It was actually the foundation of moral conscience for the United States came through that great awakening. The second great awakening, there was things challenged there that brought about social reform and brought things into alignment to God's purposes. That's what he wants to do now. And we are getting a cleanup. We are, we are. That's what God wants to do now. How do you know this? cleaning up the swamp, any area in, in our own life. I'm talking about each of us is in time to drain the charismatic NAR swamp. I kind of agree with that concept, but not for the same reasons she's saying that needs to be cleaned up anything in the body that has caused infection or that is running rampant and 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 spreading evil that has to be stopped right now and that's why there's exposure i was reading a comment from someone from last night this morning it was precious actually and she was asking like you know, what's this, this all onto? You know, it just sounds like, you know, there's so much conflict and everything and it's, and it's one, one group against another. It doesn't, you know, where's the love in it all? And I mean, these are really good questions. And what I, I felt the Holy Spirit said to give her as food for thought was that Jesus even said, he said, I came to bring, not to bring peace, but a sword. So no, the, she felt that the Holy Spirit directly told her to remember that verse. Uh huh. And there are times when Jesus has to bring a sword first in order for there to be true peace. He also said that I came to divide households and that you will see one member of a household turning against another because one will stand for righteousness and another will not. And so Jesus himself said that, but it was unto a really good end. It was unto righteousness. Now, I'm going to note, I, I don't need Patricia King here telling me that the Lord the Holy Spirit told her to these verses. I can just cut her right out of the middle. I can go right to the biblical text. And in studying God's word, I will have, I will be equipped for every good work, including rebuking those who are contradicting sound doctrine in either word or deed. I don't need Patricia King saying, Oh, the Holy Spirit told me that. Remember that the, that Jesus did this thing. Nope, I can just say, yeah, the Bible says, pointing that out. Now, we know that Jesus never said anything or did anything that was outside of love because he is love, so he can't violate himself, right? So everything he said, and I've been going through the Gospels recently, just going through every single verse, asking God to reveal his love to me. And it's easy to see it. Every single verse of the Gospels. Really, this doesn't even sound like a tenable Bible study method. I'm going to stop at every verse and go, uh, Lord, re- reveal your love to me. Again, th- this is a strange, non-lucid, almost brain-turned-off kind of religion. 
the healing and deliverance and forgiveness and all of that. I write love, 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 love. But it's also love when he overturned the money changers' tables. It was also love when he rebuked Peter. It was also love when he had uh, had words for woe to you, uh, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. That was love also. It was. I agree. All love, everything he said, all the hard words that he said were love words. And in the Old Testament, you also see that that uh, God actually initiated war against the enemies of his people. He initiated war. Now, in those wars, there were some people that died on both sides, obviously, and that's a painful thing. No one wants war, but there's times in order to secure righteousness, you have to have war. And so he initiated it, and uh, and then it came into peace, and the kingdom was advanced. And so I know it's confusing for many of you. And my Your religion itself, Patricia, is very confusing to me. Art as just, you know, just someone who just cares about the body and I'm called to the body. And my love for the body has been tested over many years. Believe me, um, I know that um, sheep uh, have teeth. And, um, and, my, and my love has been proven over year after year after year. And I love the body. And because I love... No, I think you love the fact that the body makes you wealthy because you've really told some whoppers in the name of Jesus uh, in forwarding your ministry the body i want to see you safe i want to see you secure i want to see righteousness prevail i want to see truth exalted i want to see the the love and mercy of god operating and properly applied not unsanctified mercy not unsanctified grace that just allows anything to happen but we want to see you totally free to be a reformer in these hours. So the wall's been broken down. We've seen morals um, just decayed within the church and everything's excused these days. It doesn't matter. You're not even allowed to talk about it. In fact, if you do, it's almost like Ahab and Elijah where Ahab called Elijah the troubler of Israel. And yet Ahab was the one that opened up the nation to evil. And that's why Elijah is wondering what me, you are the troubler of Israel because because there needs to be um, a a raising up of the bar in this hour so that we can rebuild the wall. That's what Elijah did. He rebuilt the altar. There's things that need to be rebuilt. And so without apology, I'm going to call the people of God to believe the word of God, the whole counsel of the word of God, the truth about the word of God. There is very clear in the scripture. I mean, in the New Testament scriptures, it's very clear about our conduct. For example, in Paul's letters, the apostle of grace, he speaks about conduct. He even goes so far as to say adulterers, fornicators, drunkards, you know, uh, uh, sorcerers, they're not going to inherit the kingdom. You know, it's, it's, it's very clear. It's very clearly addressed. So we shouldn't be confused about these things and not just say, well, love will cover. Love will confront at times. Love will give strong confrontation. And so we want to have um, a really beautiful balance here and we want you to feel loved we want you to feel at peace and we want you to know that god is on the move right now and to give you hope i want to say this yesterday i had a visit god's on the move and and i'm going to back this up she had a visitation apparently right now and to give you hope i want to say this yesterday I had a visitation from the Lord, an apostolic portal opened up where he showed me what we could start to build now. 
He said, it's been exposed. Now you can start to build. And I started to see, like, even uh, Ron Counter had addressed um, uh, a number of days ago. He had sent our team a uh, text saying, you know, um, the charismatic church really needs teaching on leadership. And uh, then Michael Brown and Joseph Matera went live, not knowing that uh, Ron had spoken. Charismatic church needs to abandon their false signs and wonders and their feelings and their experiences as being normative and listen to and embrace the word of God, worship God in spirit and in truth. And they talked about the same thing and how they're developing things. So I had a talk with Ron Cantor this morning. I won't go into details. Okay, now I'm going to fast forward a little bit because uh, Patricia has, you know, she's still kind of winding up and getting ready to talk to Stephen Powell. So I'm going to fast forward to where she begins to let Stephen talk. And uh, we'll, we'll note what he says from there. That um, from what I've seen and the dialogue that we've had, that I've appreciated your honesty. I know that you are a man of passion. Um, I've always uh, often described you as like James and John. When they were following Jesus, they were at one point called the sons of thunder because, I mean, they were so passionate for justice. They wanted to call, call down fire from heaven and consume those that were in opposition to Jesus. And um, he said, you know what? You don't know what spirit you're of. He actually rebuked them. He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. I've come to, to uh, not judge but to save. But then John, but then John became known as the apostle of love. And so that's what I see God grooming in you is this beautiful um, mixture of, of justice, of fire, and, and, and of love, and of learning. What on earth? What love looks like and how, how you're maturing in that love. And also the other. She's talking about Stephen Powell here. And it's like, why is she buttering him up like this? example I've seen is of, of Paul. Before he was Paul, he was Saul, the zealot. He was so zealous for God. He knew the law. He knew the word. Uh, he was, um, you know, a person who was so respectful of the word. He obeyed it more than anyone else. And, um, and he thought he was doing God justice by killing Christians. Um, but he was doing it with, with a passionate heart. But he became known as the apostle of grace. And that's how I see you moving towards um, from from zeal um, to an apostle of grace. And in his grace, he became even more zealous for truth. But it was through through the right filter. So I've appreciated watching you in that journey and the growth that's already happened and in the more growth that I know is coming and that I'm believing is is, is going to happen. But you um, you uh, uh, are, are going to share some things today so that people get to know you more because all they've heard, many of them, all they've heard is you getting blasted. So they don't know you. They've never met you. They've never heard from you because we haven't said anything until now. And that's it. You say, I've heard so much, but you've only heard one side. Okay. You've only heard one side. So um, we just need to clear up a few things, not in self-defense, not to protect yourself or defend yourself, validate yourself. That's not where we're going here, but to help the people understand. So describe your relationship quickly with uh, Todd and fresh fire and uh, your move to Fort Mills to move with him. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I grew up in a very um, conservative church and I was awakened to the power of God. All right. Now listen to Stephen Powell's testimony regarding himself and see if you can make heads or tails of this religion. Um, when I was about 16, 17 years old and uh, somehow supernaturally, I believe I came across Todd's testimony about how he encountered the Lord um, through spending 
hour upon hour, you know, with the Lord, taking special time. So the Lord took that testimony, put it in my heart to make it my own. And right when I graduated. What did he just say? This is a testimony about Todd. I'm backing this up. Listen again. Hour of God um, when I was about 16, 17 years old. And uh, somehow, supernaturally, I believe, I came across Todd's testimony about how he encountered the Lord um, through spending hour upon hour, you know, with the Lord, taking special time. So he encountered the Lord by taking hour upon hour of special time. What is that? The Lord took that testimony, put it in my heart to make it my own. And right when I graduated, I asked my parents if they would give me grace instead of having to go get a job right away just to seek the Lord for months. And I did that. And that marked me um, from my teenage years. Um, My life has never been the same since then. So I just want to honor Todd. I want to honor his ministry. Um, You know, there's been all this tragedy that's happened to, but there's been good things as well. Um, I was a young man that was uh, turned to seek the Lord with all my heart. And and in part, that was because the testimony that the Lord used with Todd in my life. So, sorry, I'm getting emotional. Uh, But um, many years later, I, I went through a wilderness season in Alaska where the Lord called me to fast and pray pretty much all my 20s. Um, just serve in the local church, serve my family, be a godly husband and uh, father. But there came a time where I had a supernatural meeting with Todd. Todd came through my church in Alaska in 2012 when I was working as a janitor of the church. He saw the gift of my life. That's one of, I believe, the apostolic graces that Todd has is to recognize gifting. Um, and he gave me apostolic grace to recognize gifting. Invitation to travel with him. Um and it was it meant so much to me because uh, all those years I knew I had a call to ministry, but I felt hidden. I felt like the Lord um, wouldn't reveal that to anybody. And and you spent <laughs> eleven years in intercession and seeking the face of God. Even as you were yes. a janitor, you would um, yes. just see your role as an intercessor, crying out for the purposes of God to be revealed. Yes, absolutely. And and I thank God for those years because. Um, I had all those years just to focus on my wife, my children, my relationship with the Lord, and serving in the local church, which is, uh, you know, a big thing to me. Um, before I got into full-time ministry, and I believe it, it's it's meant that you know all the difference. And but, you've always had a great relationship. You've served your pastor and served the church well. Yes, yes, I, I love pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not be where I'm at right now without my pastors, you know, that watched over me and, and loved me, even though they saw, you know, some some of the things that needed uh, sharpening. <laughs> Um, but anyways, I, I started traveling with Todd, and uh, right when I turned 30 years old, Todd ordained me um, into ministry. That was after three years of traveling with him and just serving him around the world. And we, me and my wife felt the call to move to Fort Mill, so uh, South Carolina. So we moved there and helped him um, establish a, a new base there in Fort Mill, and that was in 2015. So, All right. Now, um when you were with him, you observed um, good things. Did you observe any concerns? Yes. Um, there were several occasions where uh, I witnessed things that um, were unbecoming of a minister. Um, at first, I was confused um, because I had never been around a ministry like Todd's in person. Such extraordinary signs and wonders, um, such extraordinary revival. I was a part of uh, several revivals with him around the world, you know, Korea, South Africa, where, you know, I saw incredible things. And at first I was confused. I'm sure a lot of people have have been confused about this question. How can there be such immorality with such 
grace, glory, uh, such gifting. Um, you know, so we answered that yesterday. Nobody was looking for the real manifestation of the Holy Spirit, which is holiness. And instead, they were looking for, you know, barking like a dog, quacking like a fish. I don't think that works, but uh, you, you get the idea, you know, you know, these false signs and theatrical wonders. At first, I had to go through that, you know, even theologically and just working out in prayer myself. Eventually, I mustered up the courage to talk with Todd about some of it. And there was one occasion where I actually went to leadership about it. And it got back to, I was told that it got back to Rick Joyner and that Rick Joyner dealt with it. You know, so, um, yes, I did see things, but I tell you, I never dreamed there was the depth of the stuff that we've discovered this last year. Uh, I just, I just couldn't fathom, um, that those deeper, darker issues. So notice he admits that he did see things regarding Todd. But because he's not looking for penitent holiness as the true mark of the work of the Holy Spirit, he's theologically backwards and not able to rightly identify the evil that is in front of him. There, you know, my my rationalization was, well, you know, we're dealing with stuff right now in the body of Christ with exaggerated grace and not as much of an emphasis on sanctification and stuff. And, you know, I want to pray for the whole body, including Todd, that we can, you know, uh, balance these things out. That, that's what was going through my heart at the time. Right. Now, um, you, uh, you were removed from Fresh Fire. Yes. Uh, you were part of their network, their apostolic network. And then one day you got um, notice that uh, they, they had removed you. Do you know why you were removed? Uh, well, I, I can't speak for them, but from my perspective, um, I had a visitation from the Lord in 2017, and um, there was an incredible zeal released, a fresh zeal released for holiness. Um, he had a visitation and a fresh zeal was released. What is this religion? This is not biblical Christianity. What is this? for the end-time message, calling the bride to purity. And also, I would... Mm, that's an NAR theme and a latter rain false doctrine. Awaken to some of the truths in the Word of God, even the New Testament, that all, although our God is a God of grace and love, He's a God of correction. He's a God of judgment, even. Um, all in love, of course. So, um, of course, like a lot of people that have incredible encounters with the Lord, I overreacted. <laughs> Um, that, that's where I would say I err, I tend to err, is in zealousness. <laughs> um, but I just thank God for people around me that can handle me <laughs> and help me. Um, but so you overreacted from your encounter with the Lord, which resulted in overzealousness. Okay. Uh, during that time, um, I said some things I shouldn't have, um, in my zeal, uh, I probably exposed some things, you know, I, sh I shouldn't have. So there became, began to be tension between me and Todd right away, and we so talked about it. So you were exposing things that you had seen in areas of sin and, the, and the, that with different situations? Yes. Or? Up until that time, most of my prophetic gift, you know, in my relationship with God, the revelations I would receive were focused on intimacy, revival, and harvest. That was it. That was my fact. Intimacy, revival. What, what is this religion? I do not understand this religion. And that's why me and Todd blended very well at the beginning. But I had a major shift in my prophetic mantle. and I You had a what in your what? 
He had a major shift in his prophetic mantle. You know, that can be discombobulating. Again, what is this religion? We're seeing all the ugly. I saw many of these things, actually, that we're dealing with now in the spirit there. Um, the Lord began to entrust me with revelations of people that would fall, actually. Or not would fall, but people that were Vulnerable in sin. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I did with that is I prayed for them. And it broke my heart when I saw some of them eventually fall. So I went through all that, that shift in that mantle. And I think it's discernment, you know. Um, and I was trying to balance. Discernment, yeah. Okay, I don't hear any of that here all that out. And, and yeah, I made some mistakes in trying to handle that and trying to work that out at the beginning. Um, but, but at that time in 2017, I can, I can remember it clearly. It was on the 500th anniversary of, of, of Martin Luther's Reformation that I met with Todd in California. And we just a- agreed to be friends and, and, and to still be in fellowship, but just to kind of distance a little bit, right? Sounds like a broke up with his girlfriend. Okay. I'm going to pause there. I'm going to pause there, and we're going to pay some bills, and we're going to come back. Again, Just we're going to note here that this religion, this charismatic NAR religion, makes no sense. And if you're wondering how is it that Todd Bentley operated as long as he did in the charismatic movement when he was engaging in sexual sin that was being noticed by people, you know, and 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 there were episodes that were coming to Rick Joyner after 2008, after his restoration in 2009, in 2012, 2013, 2000, and, and, and how how was this even possible? I would argue that the unbiblical, completely feelings based, experience based, wackerdoodle, false signs, wonders, mantles portals and thingies this religion that you're listening to this isn't christianity and this religion itself helped make todd uh possible and kept him in so-called ministry for a long time because of its inability to operate biblically and it, i would even say lucidly but this is all part of our post-mortem so uh, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you could do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you could subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, well, a little bit more of this postmortem. We'll listen to Stephen Powell and see if we can make heads or tails of this religion. Stay tuned. Don't want to risk, miss it. We'll be right back. We don't need to rethink Christianity. We need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough of this sissy, pansy, cunning, photo-written music you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Almighty, 
Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. It's Marty Python's Flying Circus Church. of Marty Python's Flying Circus Church would like to apologize to all of our listeners. Normally, we do parody here at Marty Python's Flying Circus Church. Unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances and the current miserable state of the church, uh, we can no longer parody the church because the church just parodies itself. For proof of this particular concept, uh, we now present to you um, the uh, Holy Ghost Okie Pokey. I'll tell you, three weeks ago, we did a Friday Night School of the Spirit and we saw 12 people heal the word of knowledge and 40 healed during the Holy Ghost hokey pokey. Let's just go ahead and do that and see what the Lord does. You guys okay to do a little Holy Ghost hokey pokey? Can you lead it? All right, Brian's going to lead us in the Holy Ghost hokey pokey. You can... Put your right hand in, put your right hand out. You put your right hand in, you put your right hand out. You put your right hand in, you dig your right hand out. You put it in, and you shake it, and you shake it all about. You put your left hand in, you take your left hand out. You put your left hand in, you take your left hand out. You put your left hand in, you take your left hand out. You put it in, and you shake it, and you shake it all about. You put your right foot in. Take your right foot out. You put your right foot in. You take your right foot out. You put your right foot in. You take your right foot out. Put it in. And you shake it. And you shake it all about. Oh, you put your left foot in. Put your left foot out. You put your left foot in. You put your left foot out. Put your left foot in. Put your left foot out. Put it in. doing the hokey pokey at first with the arms uh, nothing nothing real effect but then as soon as i just start we started doing the whole we'll put your left foot in your right foot in both of my knees you know one at a time i could just feel all of a sudden it's like there was no pain i said you said start checking yourself i just squat that's awesome thank you lord for new knees in jesus name come on come on um, I've had back problems most of my life, and a couple of we- about a week ago, my back had gone out, and it was somewhat better, but it was still sore uh, up until today. And when we did that hokey pokey, and she came up and testified, all the pain went. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Shake it, shake it, shake it all about. You put your whole head in, you take your whole head out. You put your whole head in, take your whole head out. You 
Hello, people of the interwebs. Strongbird here with an important announcement. <coughs> Are your walls bland? Have you not felt any exhilaration since you watched the paint dry on them three years ago? Well, you're in luck. Pirate Christian Media is now sending pretty, pretty pictures for you to spruce up your depressingly bland wall space. Wait, just one moment. Uh, oh, really? Okay. I'm sorry, folks. These are not pretty, pretty pictures. They're fine art prints. Which means that you're probably going to want to hang them in an actual frame rather than on the fridge next to little Jimmy's impressionist take on motor vehicles. Uh, is that even street legal? These fine art photographs, or uh, uh, um, art f- for short, would be personally signed by the captain himself with an included certificate of authenticity to boot. Mm-hmm. Now that's quality art f- if I ever saw it. But be warned, larger prints of Pirate Christian Media's art are limited editions with only 50 of each print being made. Be sure to go to piratechristian.com, click on the Fine Art Photographs link at the top of the page, and check for prices and availability of our regularly updated photo gallery. Thank you. All right, we're back. Uh, Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that the charismatic NAR movement, that that religion, it's wingnut wackerdoodle and not even biblical. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. Uh, When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew, and rank is based upon your monthly Commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's made at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month. And then Quartermaster, $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. Uh, and everybody who joins our crew at Gunner's Mate or above uh, from now until the end of January, I will send you an 8.5 by 11 fine art print of one of my photographs. The photograph is titled All Things London. That's our special promotion for the month of January 2020. And that's a $49.95 value. So for everybody who joins at Gunner's Mater Above, I will send you 
a uh, fine art print as my way of saying thank you. Now, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, click on the donate button, become a patron via Patreon, click on the become a patron button. If you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to post office box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, let's head back to Patricia King's channel as we listen to more of Stephen Powell. And keep in mind, this guy was ordained for ministry by Todd Bentley. And just I have to ask, does this fellow sound at all like somebody who has been instructed, catechized in the basics of the Christian faith? I don't recognize this fellow's religion. Let's keep going. Um, but eventually... Uh, there came a, a controversy in late t- 2018. There was a private message um, concerning uh, some revelation I was processing in private um, about about some things I believe that, that, that I'm just a revelation you were processing in private. Bring that out too, okay. because I mean it's it's out there. Is that you were processing something that you thought um, the Lord might have been speaking to you about reading and, and yeah. some other things. And it was private. You wanted some input. You wanted to process it through. You wanted to understand exactly what was, you know, going on. And he- yeah, I'd like to understand exactly what's going on. What is going on? Or a communication that was private got sent out. Yes. And was- so people assumed yes. that that was your word. Yes. It was never public. I never made a public post. It was just what I would call private processing. And when I- private processing of a private revelation, got it. Private process. A lot of times I'm wrong. You know that's why I don't make it public processing, or I try not to. You know, um, but that left a bit of a stigma. You know, um, a lot of people uh, were very upset with me. I did issue imme- immediately a public apology um, for that. Public apology for his private processing of a private revelation that was made public. <laughs> okay. Why anybody, you know, is suffering, you know, homes are being destroyed. I never wanted that to be out. I so, so you destroyed homes in the process of this. Wow. wanted my message to be, let's pray and, and let's ask for God's will to be. Um, but that eventually led to uh, Todd felt he needed to cut me from his network. Um, and uh, that happened in, in, in December of 2018, the day after Christmas. Now, it is said that um, because of that, mm-hmm. um, you have anger and rage in you that was the motivation and, and jealousy. Now, this is the thing I want to point out here. This is a weird one. If you've, I've been following this, like watching a soap opera. You'll note that somebody says something, and then out of nowhere, somebody chimes in claiming that they can divine what somebody's real intention was, and it becomes an allegation. My question is, where'd these mind mind readers come from? How do you soothsay somebody's intentions? You know, it's, it's really fascinating how the slander is working. Uh, in the uh, charismatic and NAR movements, but let's listen to this. Just the motivation for you going after Todd Bentley. Yeah. Well, that so hurts my heart um, whenever I hear that because that's just absolutely not true. That's a misrepresentation. Um, I think in all of our hearts, we deal with a whole host of emotions, battle through a whole bunch of things. And, and to say that I was just 
you know, happy and everything was just fine when that happened. No, I, I went through all the emotions of hurt and, and confusion and, and even anger at times because um, when, when Todd decided to cut me from his network, he didn't even call me himself. He had somebody, Louis DeSena actually, that I didn't even know call me the day after Christmas um, and do it. And that really hurt me because I felt I had a relationship with, with Todd at least enough for he would call me himself. Um, so over the next few months, early 2019, yeah, I was dealing in my heart with that. But honestly, God is my witness. When we came to May and June, when this other stuff started coming to me about, coming to me about Todd, I felt that I had done a really good job with managing my heart. Um, I still continue to sow to Todd, even up to that time. That's so, so notice he, he, up to that time, he was giving money to Todd. So here's the charismatic NAR doctrine of sowing. Actually, so yes, it's a big uh, principle of mine, core principle of mine, is that you know Jesus said, "Where your treasure is, your heart is also." So even when I'm having a difficult issue, I want to sow because because I want my heart, you know, do everything I can to make sure my heart is right. And I really felt that I you want to do everything you can to make sure your heart is right, so you give money to Todd Bentley. Just the act of doing that means that not only is your heart not right. You have no concept of <laughs> of those whom you should not be supporting biblically. I had managed those things, and it brought the things before the Lord, and that it was being dealt with. So oh, <clears throat> beautiful. So, how did you come to know about the allegations? And because allegations, um, you know, came to the table, um, how did all that happen? Yeah. And like I stated, there was stuff that would come up down through the years, you know, that I did the best I could, but I never dreamed that there was this next level, this, this depth that was happening. But when I really started to become apprised of this next level of stuff that was happening, it was in, as, my, as I recall, it was in early June. I got a call from my friend um, Derek Gates. Um, we spoke at that time about conversations that Derek had been having with some some friends out there, as well as David Hunter, um, about uh, serious, serious sin going on behind the scenes with Todd, uh, with interns, with uh, personal assistants, these types of things. Um, the, f- the first testimony I heard was 2017, that during that atmosphere when the Lindale revival was going on. Um, so that's when I first heard it. But even then, I, I did nothing with it at first, but just pray and and I was shocked, you know. And uh, when you hear things like that, you hope it's not true. Yeah, exactly. I was going through that whole stage of, am I in denial here? Do, do, do I believe this? It, it was a big shock. It was. Right. Um, and then within, I would say, about two weeks of that, that was end of May, early June, within about two weeks of that, I was actually preaching at Moravian Falls uh, uh, Morningstar, the church there. And I had a very powerful visitation. I won't go get into the details of that visitation. So he had a visitation, powerful one. Okay. Um, but there was there was yeah, my question is, what am I doing wrong here? Why don't I glow in the dark? How come I don't have apostolic portals of, open over me and and private revelations that I need to process privately? And oh, I know why. Because I believe that the the written word of God is sufficient. And this is a weird religion to me. It has you chasing after all of these things that are not the voice of God, thinking you're hearing the voice of God when you're not. 
courtroom in heaven that was in session. There was a, there was. A t- All right, I got I got to listen to the details of this visitation. See if this makes sense to you. There, and I had a very powerful visitation. I won't go get into the details of that visitation. Um, but there was there was a courtroom in heaven that was in session. There was a, there was a case that was being tried, and I had no idea about the details. I just knew that something serious was happening in the justice of God, and um, I was shaken in that encounter. And I felt like I received somewhat of a commissioning word in the justice of God. I felt like it- you received a commissioning word in the justice of God. Again, what's the cash value of a sentence like this? And just for me, though, I felt like it was the whole body of Christ. The Lord was, like you've said many times, raising the bar in this season. Um, and in uh, the day that, that, that I had that visitation, there's a supernatural sword, actually, um, that appeared in the sky. So I took that as a supernatural sword appeared in the sky. Surprised that the U.S. Air Force missed that. Well, and even the scripture you just mentioned, at times Jesus says, I've come to bring um, the sword and not peace. So we have to understand that that side of God's heart. Um, and it's always redemptive. It's always for the pers- purposes of love. But from that encounter that I had on June 9th, within days, I had more reports come to me unsolicited. For instance, I'm sitting down with a pastor in Pennsylvania. We're having lunch talking about other stuff, not even related, and he brings it up. He says, is God going to deal with Todd Bentley? And I was shocked, honestly. I was shocked. I'm like, where is this going? And it turns out he had a young lady in his church that was one of these, one of these young ladies, like many stories we've already heard, that came forward, told me her testimony. She wept, um, and uh, it was a serious thing. So those events, those sequences of events, um, Derek coming to me, unsolicited reports beginning to come. And also I felt I was hearing prophetically from the Lord. I decided that this was the Lord and I did felt, feel a burden um, to uh, start reaching out to some more people and asking more questions. And that's what I did. Right. And, um, and so Derek, who's just probably such a good friend to so many, you know, he's a, he's a filmmaker, uh, Derek, Derek Gates, a wonderful man. Um, so Derek Gates and David Hunter and you were connected during that time. You would share yes. back and forth different things. Do you want to share about that relationship and how it worked? Yeah, a lot, a lot of people don't understand how David Hunter came into this and why I was talking to him and why he had so many details. And the reason why is because it was me, Derek, and David at the very beginning. And um, in one of my prophetic experiences, the Lord specifically highlighted Derek to me. So I felt like he was supposed to be a, a true partner with me on this. One of my prophetic experiences, somebody got highlighted. Again, what is this religion? This is not biblical Christianity. This is wackerdoodle. David was more always in the background because he uh, explicitly stated, I do not want my name mentioned, not once, and uh, I do not want to be involved publicly at all. Um, but I felt that, honestly, that when he, he started saying things, when he started telling some of these stories, some of the things he'd seen with Todd, I honestly felt that the Lord had finally gotten a hold of his heart, that the Lord convicted him. And uh, that, that was my honest feeling from the beginning. Um, but we were all three of us talking, discussing the details of this, um, you know, in June and then into July, all the way up to, to the exposure. Um, um, and, and yeah, it, it, it proceeded from there. We, we gathered David, more testimony. David, David Hunter worked, um, you know, uh, or 
maybe not worked as far as an employee, but he was involved inside of Fresh Fire on a number yes. of different levels and a close friend of Todd's, I understand as well. Yes. So that's why a lot of what he was sharing was believable. Yeah, and, um, and much of the, the intel, if you want to call it, call it that, that he um, gave to us, it checked out. So that's another reason why I kept talking to him and, and, and I had a reason to, to believe him because some of the stories proved to be true. Now, after the fact that everything that's happened, I go back and look at some of the things that he told me and told us, and I realize, wow, that was twisted then. And I even bought into some of those twisted stories at times. Um, but, you know, he was the one that led us to directly to the information that we received from the young man that I recorded that he's made such a, a big deal about, that he has not been honest about. He's actually the one that led us to that young man. And he was the one that, that mentioned his name. You never mentioned his name. Yeah, he didn't tell me directly, but he told Derek, and then Derek eventually told me. Um, we all knew where that came from. And once again, I thought the Lord was dealing with his heart. I mean, I, I had an indication of some of the things we were going to hear from this young man, but I had no idea the full depth of what would happen. It was so heartbreaking. Not only had this man, this young man, been abused by Todd, been taken advantage of, but when I spoke with him on the phone, he was not serving Christ. He hated the church, he told me. So you'll note uh, this is talking about one of the victims of Todd Bentley, male, uh huh, male sexual abuse victim of Todd, and he's no longer wants to have anything to do with the church. My my question is, did he even have anything to do at all with biblical Christianity? He it doesn't sound like he even remotely had anything to do with biblical Christianity. The, this is a fantasy religion based upon these weird, weird subjective experiences and claims and stuff like that. I haven't heard anything that even remotely sounds like something from the Bible yet. I mean, that he hated leadership, and that really broke my heart. Mm -hmm. Because there's been so many of the people that I've interviewed this last year that I taught myself in Todd's school, you know, and it just broke my heart that they come to our school to receive Jesus. Many of them very broken. Many of them came out of lifestyle drugs and brokenness themselves. And some of them left in more brokenness. I know. It is sad. So, so David Hunter had given you the story. And I remember Derek calling me in an airport one time. I was just between flights. And he... He uh, didn't mention um, actually the name of David Hunter to me at that time, but he said uh, that this guy has so much that he knows. That him. was because I kept my word all that time. I never once mentioned David mm -hmm. Hunter, even to you, never mm -hmm. once mentioned no, his no. name. It's just been recently when he himself went public. Yeah. With and I want to say I never threatened him, never f threatened his family, never threatened his children. There was a story that came up where there was possible inappropriate activity. I won't say activity. I would say speech, okay, in language between Todd and one of his daughters. And I did pressure him, or not pressure him, but I did try to encourage him as strongly as I could. David, you need to submit your testimony uh, uh, to the, uh, uh, the investigator because that's the right thing to do. And it was totally, I said, totally do it in private. I said, David, I don't even have to give your name to him. You can just call him up and give it anonymous. He, he's opened up to receive anonymous testimonies, and he still wouldn't do it. Right. And, of course, um, over the last couple of months, um, he's been the most vocal uh, voice for um, bashing the process of the panel mm -hmm. and the investigation 
very much bashing your name, my name, Dr. Yeah. Brown's name, Robert Dosey's name. I mean, he's got, I mean, it, it, it's been absolutely uh, vicious. And I just want to say, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if David would uh, even watch this broadcast, but if you are, we just want to say, we, we do forgive you, but there are some things that have to be settled for the body's sake because you haven't been um, honest. And I remember getting a call from Der- Derek Gates. This was just a, a month or two ago. And he said, uh, Patricia, David Hunter, who is a guy that, you know, gave a lot of the intel in the very beginning. In, in, in other words, I would call that a whistleblower, right? Yeah. The, the original whistleblower, that's what I would term it. Yes. Um, he um, has never wanted to give his testimony, but he's ready, but he wants to give it to you. Mm-hmm. And he said, would you be open to hearing him? And I thought, oh, man, you know, I've listened to a few testimonies and it's not something that you love to do. But I said, if, if they'll serve, yes, I, I can do it. Yeah. So he gave me um, David's number and I contacted him and we had I thought it was it was a beautiful, um, yeah. a beautiful talk. He even told me after that that he just had the utmost respect for you said it was just such a wonderful conversation he, he told me how much he just appreciates your love your humility honors you i mean that's honestly what he said to me after that yeah and i felt that we had you know and i felt i felt really good talk um and i listened to his heart he had had you listened to his heart hey um I could tell he was in pain over some things with um, with Dr. Michael Brown, and he had um, got heated in the discussion about some things that he believed about Michael Brown. And I said, I checked those things out with Michael Brown himself, and he has a different story. Yeah. And I think that you need to go to him directly. Yeah. If you have this issue, you need to go to him directly. I feel like I'm listening to junior hires talking about, you know, their relationship with former friends and cliques and girlfriends and stuff. David Hunter had fed you and I and, 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 and our team the stories. I mean, I got it through you and Derek, but yeah. he, he, he had fed some negative things about Dr. <laughs> Brown that made us afraid, thinking, oh, my gosh. You know, that's why I went directly to Michael Brown. You went directly to Michael yeah. Brown and checked it out. So I said, you know, it would really help you. And I was just trying to help him. It would help you if you go directly to Michael Brown. Yes. Then he told me he had things about you. And he started, um, look, boy, I thought, boy, you've got a lot of pain concerning Stephen Powell because there was a lot of bitter judgments. She never shared with me. Well, it was very evident in that call. And he um, he had you marked as pretty demonic in your behavior in that. And I said, you know, I. I won't disagree on some of the points. And you you and I have been so open about this. I've been so open with you. Painfully open. I, painfully open with you, haven't I? I yes. I've, I've been confrontational about, because you're very black and white and you're, you know, you, you're very justice oriented. So I've been trying to help you in balancing that out. And so I said, I can't disagree with you on some of these things on the way that things were handled or the way things came across. But I've found Stephen to be very teachable. And I said, I would highly recommend you going directly to him and sitting down and sharing because you could help him. If you give light on these things and how it affected you and how you feel it's affected others, it'll help Stephen grow. We need to help each other grow. So that was the context of that conversation. And then um, uh, I... 
I uh, men mentioned to him even, I said, even with the report that Stephen was passionate about, when I submitted edits to him, he was open to that. Okay, so that was part of the conversation to try to show him. It was taken so much out of context. But, um, and that's the August 22. Yeah, one. because, yeah, yeah. The, the August 22 one, because I had nothing to do with the, the other report. Yeah, um, and but, people need to know that. There were actually two reports. There right. was a 30-page one. That was that just was given private, to a few yeah. leaders behind the scenes. And then and then the one that went on Facebook. So I'm talking about the one that went on Facebook. Yeah. And um, and I had nothing to do with the formation of that report. You were the one that put that report yeah. to it. was your investigation. It was your words. Yeah. But I, I did some tweaking and some submission of thoughts that you could. Yeah. All right. I, I, I think you kind of get the point. And the other day I made made the point that scripture warns us about men like Todd Bentley. Second Peter, I mean, literally describes Todd Bentley to a T. There's another book in scripture that describes people like Todd Bentley and what I'm hearing regarding this religion that is masquerading as Christianity that unfortunately Patricia King and Stephen Powell uh, seem to exemplify in spades. And the book in, in question is the book of Jude. Jude, verse 5, I'll start reading, and I think you can kind of get the point. Here's what uh, the half-brother of Jesus wrote to us. I, I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay with their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he's kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the day of the great judgment, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire. They serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, they defile the flesh. They reject authority, relying on the. We're warned against this very religion that Todd Bentley, Patricia King, Stephen Powell all exemplify. Relying on their dreams, they defile the flesh. They reject authority. They blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment. But he said, "The Lord rebuke you." But these people, they blaspheme all that they do not understand. They, they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them. They walk in the way of Cain and abandon themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error, and they perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts, as they feast with you without fear, Shepherds who feed only themselves, their waterless clouds, swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars, for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, they're malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They're loud mouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain an advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the prediction of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions. They are worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained with the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. So I point out, my last part of the postmortem here was to focus on the fact that what part of what made Todd Bentley possible to exist and to prey on people as long as he did for more than a decade, more than a decade, with repeated offenses over and over again, what made this possible was a completely wingnut, wackerdoodle religion that isn't grounded in biblical truth, but completely grounded in the air, in in subjective feelings and experiences and people who are relying on their dreams rather than relying on the written word of God. That's what made this possible. I don't recognize the religion that these people are describing. This isn't Christianity. Nothing about it is biblical. This is a false religion, and it's the religion that Jude warned us about. People who rely on their dreams and their visions rather than relying on the sound doctrine of the apostles found in the written Word of God. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>